You're listening to the NYY Sports Talk podcast hosted by Christian and Chris. Head to nyysportstalk.com to subscribe to the show and check out the fan shop so you can swag up on great NYYST apparel. Stay on top of all the latest with the New York Yankees, including breaking news, in-game updates, and incredible fan giveaways by following on Twitter at NYY Sports Talk. It's now time to talk Yankees baseball. Welcome back. This is episode 66 of the NYY Sports Talk podcast presented to you by BrandonRendiniFitness.com. BrandonRendiniFitness.com, where fitness and lifestyle go hand in hand. I feel like I say that backwards every week. You do. I change it every week. You do. do you think that bothers him? No. Do you think it bothers anybody? No. All right. I'm your host, Christian, as always, joined by my co host, Chris. You. And Stat Guy Rye. What up? So it's uh, Thursday evening. Yanks off today. Just came off splitting a two-game set with the uh, Miami Marlins. Um, not much to really say about the two games. Uh, Yankees are struggling offensively right now, which, honestly, it's to be expected. If you think about it, you know, you lost D.D. Gregorius, you lost Aaron Judge, you lost Gary Sanchez. That's a 30-year starting lineup on the disabled list. Another 30-year starting lineup, uh, Greg Bird, Brett Gardner, and Aaron Hicks couldn't hit the broadside of a barn right now. Yeah. So you're left with, uh, you know, you got Stan, who's still playing well, and Duhar, that's still hot, and, you know... You got who else? Uh, Glaber, who he hasn't been as lost in the last couple of games. Yeah, but at the end of the day, I mean, everyone was pretty, pretty lost regardless this series. I think the most concerning thing for me is the fact that the Miami Mar uh, Miami Marlins have scored nine nine runs against us two out of the four games that they played them. I mean, that's what concerns me more than anything, if I'm being honest. Uh, yesterday kind of got away from them. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, I understand what Aaron Boone was doing yesterday. The bullpen was short. He tried to get through the sixth inning with Lance Lynn because Lynn's spot was coming up in the lineup. I get it. It didn't work out. I mean, it's as uh, I <laughs> well as we talked about. Uh, actually, we should mention this now. Chris Corelli of SNY.TV is going to join us in a little bit. Uh, we haven't talked to Chris since before the season started, so it's good to catch up with Chris and get a take, get his take on the Yankees. It's part of Boone's learning curve still, which, you know, you like to maybe have seen him learn a little faster, but it is what it is at this point. It's His major knock is his bullpen usage and when he takes guys out. It's, I mean, last year Joe Girardi was the guy that brought him out, took his guys out, a guy too soon. Now Boone seems to be the guy that's taken out his, his guys too Maybe two batters too late. Here's my thing. I I wholeheartedly agree that Lance Lynn was in that game way too long. But as a rational fan, as someone watching, and you know, there's moves that a manager makes that you clearly can't justify. Leaving Lance Lynn in that game, yeah, it may have been the wrong move, but I can sit here and justify it. It's not – and everyone's excuse is, well, they have a day off tomorrow. But guess what? Boone's the kind of guy who likes to use that day off as an extra day's rest. We talked about this two weeks ago. 
we saw how tired the bullpen got come October. And I can justify the fact that he left Lynn out there too long. And, you know, he's also got injured guys out there. So, no. Was it was it the right move to leave him out there? No. But can you understand why? Yes. So, it the decision was a lose-lose for me at that point for Boone. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, you know, people just got to put on their thinking caps for a second. Uh, he said that he wanted to stay away from David Robertson another day to give him, yes, you know, uh, Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then today, the four days off to hopefully clear up the tenderness that was in his shoulder so you don't have Robertson. He wanted to stay away from Chad Green because Chad Green threw a ton of pitches in a high-stress situation on Tuesday night. He didn't have AJ, probably didn't have AJ Cole for the same exact reason. So where are you going? I mean, what if he takes out Lynn and he brings in Sonny Gray in that spot? People are going to have a heart attack. <clears throat> yeah. He went to Tommy Canely. I mean, yeah, Tommy came in on Tuesday, you know, got the save when they had to pull Chapman out of the game. But, you know, how reliable has Tommy Canely right. been this season? That's why I'm saying it's a lose-lose at that point. Is he going to Dallin Batances in the sixth inning there? So don't sit here and tell me that Boone lost the game for the team. Did he make the wrong move in my opinion? Yeah. I, I would have rather them lost with a fresh arm out of the pen, whether it was fresh or not. A new pitcher at that point than to lose with a guy on the mound that you saw was tiring and, and ineffective in that inning. And I also think the main reason he tried having Lynn finish that inning was because he was hitting sec- second yeah, the next I, inning. Yeah, I mentioned that. If this so. was an American League ballpark, maybe Boone's decision-making would have been a little bit different. Yeah, maybe. I just don't like his mentality of going to that like second tier of relievers when they're losing by two runs. It seems if they're losing by one run, he'll go to that those elite guys. But he could have used Britain there. I I'm but, fine with Canley yeah, coming in to finish that but inning. You but you can't use Britain there because at in this the seventh, point, Britain's your closer. Would no he? Batances could have went. He but was, he, he has Britain as the closer at this point. And he doesn't what, have anybody then, listed as then, a closer. And, and yeah, but in his mind, I think Britain's the closer right now. That's not what he said though. He did not name a closer. There's no closer. He said that depending on matchups and whatnot, he has three guys that he'll rotate in and out. Okay, so let me closer. ask you this: He goes to Britain there, and he gets through the inning. You go in Britain two innings? No. So then, who are you going to go to next? Yeah, well, I'm not saying that. And then, who are you going to go to next? I'm you got to see what the score. What the score? Uh, I'm not defending. I'm not defending Boone. But in the beginning of the year, I didn't mind the way he managed when the team was losing by a run or two. I understood he was trying to get extra outs out of guys to keep guys fresh. But now, at the point that they're in in this season, every game is a must win when you're, especially when you're playing a team like the Marlins. And when you have a 2 nothing lead at that point and your starter goes out there and he's clearly a different pitcher in that inning, at least get someone going at that point. He didn't even do that. And he just – I'm, I'm getting tired of the fact that he's trying to squeeze outs out of guys in close games now. And, and, I, and that's really where I'm most frustrated with Aaron Boone right now. But other than that, I can justify a lot of his moves still. That's just where I stand. I still the the Yankees don't split that series if the offense just shows up a little bit. I mean yeah, they I mean, they, they, they scored score, five runs yeah, against the worst they have pitching to score staff. Runs, but again, 
I in keep, the league. I keep going back to it. I've been saying it on Twitter all week. What do you expect out of this offense right now? You can't keep pulling star players out of this offense and expect them to still produce at the same level they did when they had the full lineup. Right. I agree. It, at the end of the day, we, anyone could point fingers anywhere, but at the end of the day, the offense just wasn't there again for two games in a row. And the frustrating part of that is, yeah, they're injured, but they were there all weekend against Toronto. They were there every single game. And then they just disappear because they're in Miami? That doesn't make sense to me. That's the most frustrating part of this offense. And like you said, not many guys are... The guys that are in this lineup to be productive, not many of them are hot. Well, we see how the Yankees are a completely different team at home as opposed to they are on the road. Uh, you know, watching a game Tuesday night, uh, you know... A couple of those balls get out if that's at Yankee Stadium. So, you know, their offensive output may have been a little greater. But again, still, you know, even though, yeah, they've been playing without Judge and Sanchez for however long now. Now you pull Didi out of there. That's another guy that has been playing well for them that you just pulled out of that lineup. And you're putting in a replacement player in his spot. As of right now, name one lefty in this lineup that you're confident with. At the plate. The Yankees have no lefty. Walker, I guess. <laughs> right. That's, I guess, yeah, that's okay. if righty's pitching. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I mean, they have no lefty offensive production right now. You want to sit here and tell me Greg Bird uh, had a good series against Toronto? I'm going to sit here and agree with you. But guess what? He canceled that out already because he went, what, 0 for 12 against Miami? I mean, it's one thing if he was hitting the ball hard and, and he kept – he kept showing us some positive um, positive results. He looked absolutely lost again. And we go into that with Corelli a little bit. But, I mean, that's just another guy who needs to be producing, and he's just not. Uh, I don't even know what you do with Greg Bird at this point. I guess you just got to keep throwing him out there. It doesn't look like the Yankees are going to make any no, waiver. What are they going to do at this point? It doesn't look like they're going to make any waiver moves, and probably nor should they. I don't think they should break what they're trying to do here and getting under the, the luxury tax uh, to fix something for six weeks. Plus, Greg Bird might be a big piece in the postseason again. You don't know if he's going to turn things around again. So give him at least through this year, and then you evaluate the situation. So, you know, Yankees split in Miami. It is what it is. Just, you know, you just got to move on from it. They didn't get swept, although that seems to be the conjecture amongst most most of the fan base. They should have been swept, but they weren't. But they didn't. They won. There's no style points in baseball. It's did you score more than the other team? And one of those days, they did. That's all that it comes down to. I'm, I can't get into these arguments with fans anymore where they're like, where their first word out of their mouth is, the Yankees don't beat bad teams. And what was the stat you pulled out today? That, where they, uh, in teams that are currently under 500, the Yankees are 46-22 and 22 against those teams. You can't ask for them to be any better than that. That's 24 games over 500. And that means they're eight games over 500 against top-level teams. Which is outstanding. Outstanding. So they're beating bad teams. And then when you tell people that they're beating bad teams, the next thing is, well, they only beat Miami by one. Well, who cares? Right. They won the game. The point of when you take the baseball field, you take that diamond – you suit up and you play that day. What is the objective of that day? <laughs> to, 
to win to, the game. Win the it game. doesn't matter if you win one nothing against a team that is 0-125 or you win 11-1 against the friggin' Boston the same, Red Sox. It's the same it thing. counts for the same thing in the standings. It's the same thing if Stanton hits a solo shot 500 feet or he hits it 3 350. It's a yeah, home run. One of them is a little sexier than the other, but sure. still it counts all the same. Let me ask you this. Since the sweep in Boston, since they were swept in those four games, what's the Yankees' record? 12-5? and five? They're 12-5, and 11-5, something like that. I don't know. I saw the exact number today. I don't. What know. does it feel like their record is? The exact opposite. Since then. I mean, it feels like they're 5-12. and 12. Not, Well, What is this dark cloud that's, that's hovering over I, outside of the well, Red Sox? Because at this point, I feel like fans have resided to the fact that they're not going to win the division. So what is it? No, they haven't, though. Because, Chris, I told you guys this before we started recording. The Red Sox are on pace to win 113 games this year. That would be the fourth most in Major League history. The Yankees are on pace to win 102, which would tie their 12th highest win total in their franchise history. So they're having a pretty damn good season themselves. Yes. People can't get over the fact that they're in second place. That's all it comes down to. I said it the other day. If the Yankees, and now it's a moot point at this, you know, at this point, but if the Yankees won that game last night, they would have had had 80 wins in their first 126 games through the season. That would only be the the fourth time they've done that in 58 years. The fourth time. The other three times are 98, 63, and 61. And they made it to the World Series. They made it to the World Series every year. year, 98 and 61, they won the World Series. I really want to take the time to take the fans to task here because just the... The, the, I, I can't even come up with a word, but I'm going to do that after we're going to. I just want to touch on Chapman real quick, get into the interview, and then we'll come back and wrap up the show with that. So Chapman went on the DL two. Uh, when did they officially place him on there? Yesterday, Wednesday. yeah, it was yesterday. But he came out of the game Tuesday. That left knee tendon, I just acted up. He couldn't finish the inning. I mean, is this a big deal now? Is this something we got to keep looking at for the rest of his career? Maybe, maybe not even that far. But is this going to be? be lingering into the postseason now i think that i have two takes on this the first one being that i think the yankees were being a little naive when they kept throwing him out there through the pain i understand i understand that he was playing through it and it wasn't enough to affect him but you said it you said it someone who isn't with the team every single day who's simply watching the games at home or at the stadium, you said to keep an eye out for him to go on the DL at some point because of that injury. And I think the Yankees are being a little too naive when they downplayed it. But you also said that the move for Britain, a lot of it had to do with the fact that they didn't know how confident they were in Chapman staying healthy and effective with that knee issue. So they... They made up for his injury with that move for Britain. And I don't think it's going to affect the Yankees as much as everyone thinks right now. I think they're going to be fine. I think I think Chapman going on the DL, as much of a loss as it is, is the least of their problems. If Zach Britton can be the Zach Britton of 2016. He's been much better his last few outings. If he's that Zach Britton, then yeah, it's not that big of a deal. My- but then that also... 
is David Robertson going to be healthy now? Because now you're relying on him to be your seventh inning guy. Yeah. He can't disappear like he has at times this season. My biggest thing is this. Out of all the people, and this is not a knock on Chapman because I've sat here and said how amazing he's been this year. But out of all the people that you're going to have to replace, a bullpen arm isn't the biggest issue. The biggest issue is getting Gary Sanchez back, getting Aaron Judge back, putting Didi back out there. Uh, you know, those those are your biggest issues right now. And I don't think the the injury to Chapman is going to affect this team as much as people think. I know Boone didn't name a closer. He said he was going to go based on matchups. But I don't touch Dylan Batances in the eighth inning. I We've seen it how many times. It's like a bad dream. Every time they try and put him... As the closer, he turns into a different pitcher. But he's been so vicious. I understand. In the eighth inning. That That's what I I'm do saying. not. T- I don't play no. with that. No. No. Britain should be your closer. And if you but don't Tansy feel good about him, guy. if you don't feel good about Britain against maybe uh, you know three righties, then maybe I try Robertson out there. I can see that maybe. But... I don't. I do not mess with Dylan Batances right now. Do you think that has potential? Of maybe knocking Dylan Batances' confidence a little bit. If you see that, say say it's the ninth inning in a one-run game and three right-handers are coming up and they go to David Robertson over him, I, that that could well, affect if he's him pitched mentally. Already in the game, no, right? yeah, but if they're both available, no. And, and here's why: I think through everything, I think he knows he sucks as the closer. <laughs> yeah. It, well, here's the thing. I was just going to say, Batantis might be a head case at times on the field, and he's done a really good job kind of honing that in. But behind the scenes, Delm Batantis is a very level-headed guy who is truly here to help this team. And I think right now he's possibly in the best place mentally that he's ever been as a Yankee. And I think he feels that, and I think he appreciates that. I, I think he appreciates Boone throwing him out there in the eighth inning over and over even through his struggles in big spots to get to where he is now, I don't think Batances takes anything to heart at this point. But to your point, I keep him as a setup man. I don't touch him. I, I leave him in his good place. This I don't isn't, risk This him. isn't like last year with Girardi where he, he got banished to the back of the bullpen. He's still going to be a prominent figure in this bullpen. Absolutely. So I don't think... You know, it affecting his confidence or anything like that will 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 happen no. as long as as long as he keeps pitching well and Boone keeps going to him in the eighth inning. I think he'll you know that shouldn't bother him at all. I agree. All right, so let's jump into our interview here with Chris Corelli of SNY.TV. Uh, you know, get Chris's thoughts on the Yankees. We touched on a number of topics: the manager, the first baseman, the third baseman, even who he would start in the wild card game, which maybe you'll be surprised by his answer, maybe you won't be. But here's our interview with Chris Corelli of SNY.TV. All right, Chris and Christian here of NYY Sports Talk. We're on with our good friend Chris Corelli. You can find Chris on Twitter at Chris underscore Corelli. We haven't talked to Chris since uh, beginning since before the beginning of the season, so we thought as we... Uh, are about to hit up the stretch run here. We uh, touch base with Chris on his thoughts on what's going on with the Yankees. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing well. How you doing, guys? Can't complain. Been better. <laughs> Been better. Last night anyway. was kind of tough. But yeah, yeah. overall, I, I'd say I'm pretty pleased with the with the season so far. So Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's difficult to complain. I think, you know, we all get kind of wrapped up in Sometimes the uh, 
the what could be's and what ifs, and it's hard to uh, to turn the page going forward versus uh, you know looking backwards sometimes. And you know, I get caught up in it too. It's it's uh, it's hard when you uh, when you're watching a team that you think is uh, you know uber talented and they go through rough stretches. And uh, you know I think the um, what you see a lot every night is just a lot of passionate people. And you know I think you know it, it goes a little far in some instances, but um, you know for the most all right, we all want the same thing, right? Well, we haven't talked to you since the season started, so now we're about 125 games in. We've had a, a good sample size of what Aaron Boone is as a manager here. We wanted to get your thoughts on uh, Boone overall as a manager. Um, his, To me, his biggest criticism and what is most fair that people criticize him about is the way he uses his bullpen. Is that something that you feel he can learn as he continues to grow in in this into this job as Yankees manager? Yeah, uh, of course. I, I from the very beginning. I mean, I don't remember exactly what our conversations were at the end of the season, but I, I know we spoke about Boone. Um, and you know, the thing was then, and now still happening, is he he said he was going to have a large learning curve, and it was going to be steepest when he was uh, managing his pitching staff as a whole. Um, you know, and that. That's kind of why he believed, I think, at that time that they kept Rothschild on because he, he knew the tendencies of the pitching staff and almost the, almost the entire staff that was coming back, you know, as far as we knew in the, in the beginning of the season was, were returning players. So it made sense to have a guy who, who knew, you know, what made each of these pitchers tick, um, to kind of help him, you know, uh, along the, along the curve. So can he learn? Sure, he's 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 probably learned a lot already. Um, I I do think that there's some certain times where it seems like there maybe there's just a lapse between he and, and Rothschild, or maybe there's just uh, Rothschild's not tuned in. I don't know. There seems to be something missing as far as uh, repeat occurrences of, of some of the some of the moves that they they make. And I, I I'm starting to try to put a little bit more of the onus on Rothschild because you know he is paid to be a pitching coach and. You have to assume Boone's leaning on him tremendously because you know he's he's a rookie manager. He's a he's a rookie manager. Period. Let alone a rookie manager. You know at the major league level. Um, you know, and, and this is a, an area that um, yeah, it's, I think caused him a, a little bit of concern. I mean, my biggest thing is this. I we talked about this earlier on that they kept Rothschild on to oversee certain pitching decisions. You know, I'm sure, especially the bullpen. As far as that's concerned, my biggest thing is this. I, and I'm a huge Boone supporter. I, I really think he's doing a good job. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, he's the manager. And if this is Rothschild, you know, having this kind of influence where it's just clearly not working out, uh, Boone still has to step up and kind of take charge. And, you know, his voice needs to be heard a little more if this is Rothschild's decision making. Yeah, and it's hard to say, right? We're not there. We don't. We don't particularly know. But I mean, the way the structure's set up, they purposely left him there. I mean, if they wanted Boone to um, have the overall say from the very beginning, I, I think they would have hired a new pitching coach at the same time and they let the whole group of them learn at the same time, right? Um, so I think his influence is, is definitely there. Um, but I, you're right. You have to assume at this point that you know he's he's got a you know, take charge if he thinks that uh, Larry's not, you know, giving him enough information or it's the information's not timely enough. Um, it just seems that the, the, they stick they stick with people a little too long sometimes. They don't read the tea leaves. Um, you know, they're not looking forward to the next day. 
Um, and that kind of snowballs uh, on occasion. And I know that there's been instances recently where, you know, he's uh, boom, and the team is shorthanded in, in relief because of usage from the day before, because of a bad start, let's say, or something like that. But, um, you know, they even then, I think that there's been some circumstances where, you know, you, you kind of scratch your head and, and you second guess. And, you know, obviously if it ends up leading to a loss, you start piling on. And, uh, you know, that, that's kind of what happens. Um, but, I mean, getting back to your original question, sure. I mean, the more time the guy gets, you know, to, to manage this ball club, hopefully the, the better he gets and he stops replicating, you know, some mistakes. So outside of, since we touched on his bullpen usage, you know, give us your fair assessment of, of how you see Boone as the manager so far this season. Yeah, you know, and earlier on, um, and I should, maybe mid-season, I was kind of on the impression, you know, obviously they were flying at that point, so it was kind of hard to um, to railroad a guy where the team was then, or you know, close to 30 games over 500. Um, you know, they've, they've been more of a 500-ish type team, you know, the last 40 smut games. Um I think one of the things I had commented on on the negative side that I kind of coming around on, on, a, on a different viewpoint was, you know, I I don't see him as a very, um, he doesn't look like an energetic type guy. Um, you know, he seems very calm and cool and um, he, he doesn't get fired up all that often. Every once in a while he chirps from the, from the dugout and, and so on, but he doesn't seem like he's the rallying type. I remember that whole instance with uh, when Phil Nevin was, you know, basically telling you know, players to get off their ass and, you know, it's so choking fire. You know, I, I would like to have seen, maybe not do that to his players, but show some sort of emotion, whether even just to come out and get himself tossed from a game. Um, that kind of stuff um, seemed to be missing. But now I, I look at it the last, say, 20 games since they got swept in Boston. You know, he's, he's uh, to me, he's maintained that same demeanor. And I think that may have actually helped the team um, the last few weeks. Um, do what they really needed to do. I mean, last night, notwithstanding, um, they were they played pretty well against the teams they should be beating up, right? I mean, they've had, uh, I think they're, they're 12 and 5 now since Boston, something along those lines. Um, and that's what they need to be doing, and they need to do that the rest of this month, because September is going to be a monster for them. Um, they play, you know, uh, they play Oakland, they play Seattle. Obviously, they got six more against Boston. Um, you know, so it's, it's not going to be, you know, they got some games against Tampa again, I think. So, you know, September's going to be a rough month. So they kind of have to make hay now, uh, while they can, um, heading into that, uh, that September, September stretch. So, I mean, to answer your question, um, I'm not one of the guys that's, you know, looking for him to get fired. Um, but I do think that his, his ascent of the learning curve has to get a little bit quicker paced right now because of the situation they're in. They've got, I think, a three and a half game lead over Oakland. I think they want to keep that home field for the wild card. You know, just sneaking in and being a wild card team, they're not going to want to go on the road. Uh, I'll tell you right now, they don't want to go on the road to either of those two teams, even if it's Seattle um, or, you know, if it ends up being Houston. They're, they're going to want that game at home, uh, get the benefit of the crowd in the one-game series type thing and and, uh, and kind of run with it. Um, so, you know, the next, what, uh, 36 games, they're, they're he's going to have to, you know, Make a jump, I think, in, in as far as uh, how he handled the bullpen, and you know maybe show a little bit more tenacity on the field uh, or in the dugout, you know, as, as things are happening to his club that you know he can control. Well, I think one of the things that Boone should get credit for is how this team hasn't completely fallen on its face in 
yeah. the wake of all these injuries. Uh, now yeah. that you look at, they they really did botch the the timeline on Aaron Judge coming back. You now you're hearing maybe <clears throat> another two weeks before he's ready. I I heard something that they uh, Boone might expect him to be either in Oakland or Seattle, but like I said, that's still what about two weeks away. Are you surprised that the Yankees did not add him a a bat at the deadline right after the the injury? And how surprised are you that they still haven't added a bat now, knowing that that timeline was uh, you know false hope? Yeah, uh, very surprised. I, I thought that, uh, they would make a, a trade before the deadline, uh, even just for an extra body that would be better than what they had in the system. Um, especially knowing that they traded away Billy McKinney as part of getting, you know, helping the pitching staff up, you know. So it's kind of like um, it was. It was a strange circumstance. Uh, even if they were firm in believing that it was just going to be three weeks with Judge. Um, I said at the time even that wrist injuries, they linger. You know, even had he come back after three weeks, there's nothing that says he would have been 100%. Um, he could have been the situation where he'd have to take a day off here and there on the way, where having another outfielder, especially an experienced one, which is someone they probably would have gone after, right, um, would have benefited the team in, in a multitude of ways, whether it's... And, and then if Judge did come back in three weeks... Um, you know, then great. They've got a nice, they got a good bench guy and someone there for, you know, in case there's another injury along the way. Um, you know, you, you could have thought about maybe getting a guy that could play first and the corner outfield position, uh, to maybe spell bird on occasion as well. You know, one of those kinds of players made a heck of a lot of sense, um, at, at the deadline and it's made a lot of sense once they realized that he wasn't going to be back in three weeks, which is, you know, already a week past now. Um, you know, so I'm not even sure what the what the holdup is when a couple guys have already passed, you know, through waivers. So, you know, what are, what are we waiting for exactly? Um, you know, they knew Stanton was not able to play the field at the time, and you know that's kind of you know hamstrung them. Uh, no pun intended. You know, <laughs> it's, so it's it's uh, just one of those things where you kind of wonder after all the good moves that they did make, right, to help the rest of the pitching staff and, and so on. Why not add that that low cost bat to, you know, keep the, uh, keep the offense afloat a little bit. Well, I mean, one of the reasons why we're even having this discussion and you brought him up briefly, uh, is the lack of offensive, uh, production from Greg Bird. And I've always been a big supporter of him. I've always gotten on people who have, who gave up on him so early, uh, he's been really frustrating. I mean, the guy shows what he's capable of for a game or two, and then all of a sudden he disappears again. I, I think I read something the other day. He's hitless in 12 of his last 18 games. I mean, the Yankees have been so desperate for first base offensive production over the years. Do you see him still as the future first baseman in the Yankees' eyes in 2019? And, you know, is it fair for us to sit here and evaluate him like this at this point? You know, you want to you want to give him the benefit of the doubt that you know, okay, he's, he's had his his bouts with injuries, and he's had um, you know the ups and downs, like you know, because of it, missed a lot of time, missed full season, you know. So you look at sample sizes now, but he's he's almost had 300 plate appearances this year since he's come back, and I think that you know we're, we we are getting to the point between what he received this year and his, his time last year, um, he's got a OPS plus of 83. Uh, with 100 being the average, you know, so this is a guy that's 
hitting, performing offensively well below average. And, you know, what, what concerns me beyond the fact that he's having a hard time getting base hits is that, you know, the, the batting eye that we felt that he had a couple years ago, a few years ago, um, seems to be uh, lacking. Um, so I'm not sure if he's, he's pressing more, um, if he's given up on the approach. Um, not entirely sure what the issue is, to be honest. But like you say, you see every, you know, every so often, you know, he has a couple games in a row where he looks like he's driving the ball well. Maybe the, maybe the hits don't fall, gets, ball gets caught at the wall. You know, he hit a couple, two games in a row just a few days ago, and then he just, he just falls off a cliff, and you don't know where he is. Um, and then, you know, he's another guy that, you know, you kind of want to see a little bit of frustration out of him, and, and you don't get it. He's just, very, you know, like you said, well, I don't think it was last week. I'm, I'm just happy to be on the field, and you know, that's that's really not the kind of thing I want to hear in the middle of the, you know, the pennant race. That you know, well, I'm just happy to be on the field, and you know, I'll just you know take my over fours as they come. Um, so, answer your question: If he doesn't uh, have a miraculous, you know, last thirty some odd games, and, and uh, if the Yankees are able to go deep into the postseason, he's, he's not productive there either. I, I definitely believe they. They look in another direction, and it, or at least they they find someone to get against him, you know, in a in a competition of sorts next year, you know, where they say, okay, Greg, here's your here's your full spring training. You're healthy. You made it through the whole 2018 season. You know, well, this is the uh, this is the last hurrah, you know, and, and then kind of go at that route. But it wouldn't shock me if they went and got anyone either. You know what I mean? Do you put any credence into what Boone said last week because uh, about him not having maybe the stamina at this point in the season? Because if you think about it, it's, I can see where he might be on point with that because how much baseball has Greg Bird really played in the last three years? And watching him every day, his bat just looks dead. He hits a lot of lazy pop-ups. He doesn't seem like he can, he, he's got the bat speed to even connect with a mid-90s fastball. Do you put any stock in, in, in that with what Boone said about maybe him not having the stamina built up right now? Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously Boone knows better than I do about how hard it is to play. 162 games, you know, baseball or whatever Bird's been able to, to muster this year. But uh, at the same point, to me, the guy's 25 years old. Um, I assume he's in decent shape. Um, and if he's having stamina issues, then, you know, maybe he should be resting him a little bit more often uh, so that he can, you know, be stronger on the days he is on the field. Um, so, uh, you know, sometimes I feel another maybe knock on Boone. I, and, but, again, I say knock on Boone because he's the voice. He's the voice box. And he's the one that we get to hear every night. Um, maybe another knock on the Yankees is uh, they tend to um, they tend to cover up a lot for their players. Um, you know when they're when they're not going well. You know Boone's big thing is always oh, I, I see him, he's coming along. I see he's coming along. It's coming. It's coming. And I mean I can say that about anybody. And, and eventually the guy's gonna have a couple good games in a row. So I think it's just his. Uh, I think that's just Boone's way of trying to settle things down and maybe get get the, some of the media folk off of uh, off of Bird in particular. But um, you know, I don't know. I have a hard time saying a 25-year-old is, you know, is worn out uh, uh, three-quarters of the way yeah, through the season. I, and I mean, at that point, it's not like Bird had some massive uh, stretch where he was unstoppable and then he kind of slowed down. Right. You know, he, right. he, he's he been this way. He's been streaky all year. But another guy we really have to kind of discuss, too, as far as his future uh, position goes, definitely not offensively, but defensively is Miguel Andujar. I mean, the guy has been an absolute powerhouse at the plate. 
But he's, you know, he's shown his weakness defensively. Do you see the Yankees looking to uh, to move him from third base, or is he the future third baseman of the of the Yankees? Um, I would say that if if the Yankees are looking to sign Manny Machado and they convince Machado to play third base, then maybe Andrew Hart's your first base. Maybe Andrew Hart's your first baseman next year. That's what we say. Um, you know, I, and I'm not sure um, what that would look like. Uh, it's obviously surely worth a, worth the, the chance to take. Um, but you know, I think it all it, it all becomes dependent on whether they want Machado one and whether he's willing to play third base. And it seems like a match that you know could be made. And um, if that happens, then I can see them shifting him. And you know, even then, they, they maybe they look for a first baseman too, and, and they they shift Andujar completely out of New York and ride his uh, his year for a pitcher. But I, I don't know that they want to do that really either. I think it's uh, I think having him around would be uh, you know be beneficial to them. Too. I think that he's a, he seems to be the type of guy that uh, you know is going to put the work in too. So if they ask him to switch over to first. Um, you know, maybe maybe it's something better, and who would know until you try it out. So, uh, I don't. I just don't see him playing a lot of third base for many years because he's just not very good there. All right, Chris and Christian of NYY Sports Talk. We're on with our good buddy Chris Corelli of SNY.TV, getting his thoughts on the Yankees as we move along here, approaching the end of the season. Uh, another injury to the Yankees befell them over the weekend. Uh, now their closer is on the disabled list. Uh, Roldis Chapman, that knee finally got to him where the Yankees had to sit him down for 10 days. It's been kind of a curious year for Chapman where he's had these stretches where he's looked as good as he's ever looked, especially uh, now he's incorporated that slider more. But then it seems like he goes on these vacations where he doesn't pitch for a week. And then, you know, the Met game, the Red Sox game where he can't find the plate. Do you think that inconsistent usage came about because of this knee? Yeah, it's been, I mean, I wrote about it way back then, you know, as soon as he started really showing signs that the tendonitis was, was affecting his performance, um, you know, he came out of another game, I think, a while back, and, and that's when it really started to become known that he was, you know, obviously fighting this pain um, just about every time he went out, um, that it was one of the things that Boone was going to have a really hard time managing was, um, one, not having him go out every other day because that would put more pressure on the knee, one. But at the same point, when he doesn't pitch fairly often, to we'll say minimally two to three times per seven-day period, he's all over the place. I mean, and he's not exactly the most accurate guy, even when he's, you know, coming in on a regular basis. You know, he's he uh, he lets it go. So sometimes that fastball, it, it just rises and goes where it wants to go. Um, but it's just, it's atrocious when he's pitched, you know, when a week has gone by or six days has gone by where he's, you know, at game action. Um, so yeah, I mean, part of it might be because Boone was trying to, you know, be easy on him when he could, but a lot of it also just happened to be that, you know, he didn't really find a time to get him in there either. You know, um, he's waiting for that moment where he needs his closer, uh, and it wasn't coming along, whether the Yankees were winning bigger in a game or they were getting blown out and it was just not a game he wanted to get him in. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a double-edged sword, some, somewhat hard to, to blame Boone on, on this one as far as, well, yeah, why didn't he get him more work? I mean, you can kind of understand what his reasoning might be because he's like figuring to himself, I imagine that 
when he does come out there, I want to be out there for a purpose of saving the game and not to, uh, you know, pitch when we're down by four runs, you know, just to get some work in. But, you know, maybe he should be doing, maybe the bullpen work needed to be stronger or something to that effect so he's not quite as rusty looking when he comes in. You know, that's something I can't really, really talk to. With with all these injuries, I want to ask you a quick hitter here. Smart move or desperate move moving Sheffield into a reliever role to kind of to play some some major part here moving into September out of the bullpen in uh, in the major leagues. Yeah, I mean, it's I like the idea right now. Um, I'm curious as to why wait until September, uh, meaning their their team wasn't exactly in some sort of you know race for a title or anything like that. They've been out of it for for a little while now. Um, so why not start this process a little bit earlier so that when Sheffield is up in the big leagues, um, he's not getting his first taste of big league action as the Yankees are playing some pretty tough teams uh, down the stretch. Um, like right now during this this month of August, it would have made more sense to me to have him pitching in games, whether it's relief or making a spot start or doing something like that to get his experience in where, let's say, the competition might not be as strong. Um, so it's great that he's going to be utilized and he's not going to come up, you know, get a cup of coffee and, and sit in the dugout and, you know, toss bubble gum with the rest of the guys. But, you know, I think this, the, the, they missed the boat as far as when they decided to do this process. Some of that probably has to do with the number of innings he needed to work this year. Um, but, you know, all the same, I, I even thought that before the trade deadline, why not bring him up for a start or two while they, when they needed to instead of, uh, like Luis Sessa or somebody like that. You know, just to see if he was an option versus having to go out and trade for two pitchers, right? They ended up getting half. They ended up getting Lance Lanham. Maybe, maybe they would have seen something out of Sheffield in a couple of starts that would say, you know what, let's, let's give this guy a ride. And then he could pick up a waiver guy if he needed to in August if, if Sheffield just wasn't showing what he needed to, you know, and then fall back on him as a relief guy in September. Um, so I, I like the idea of them utilizing him because he could be, you know, it could be, uh, a key component at the end of the season. Who knows what happens to other relievers? You know, uh, Robertson's not doing all that well, I guess, right now either. His shoulder's bothering him. We don't know how long Chapman's going to be out. So he could he could play a integral part in, in the relief uh, situation down the road. It just would have been, to me, smarter to uh, start the process a little bit earlier. All right, Chris, two quick things before we let you go here. The first, uh, you know, the Yankees, like we have mentioned throughout this interview, they're battling the injury bug right now. is uh, going to pitch uh, tomorrow. He's listed as a probable starter, so at least they're getting him back. Uh, but still with Chapman on the DL, you're still looking at a third of your uh, starting lineup on the disabled list, a lot of power in Judge Sanchez and Didi. Do you think the Yankees are in trouble? Can they weather this storm right now and still have enough to lock up a wild card spot? Yeah, I think they have enough. I, I mean, I think that they're going to benefit from the schedule for the rest of this month that we talked about earlier. Um, I also think that by the time they start playing some of the tougher teams, you know, some of the other guys might be back or at least approaching their way back where they will you know, hopefully be full strength by maybe the second, third week of September and maybe the last couple of weeks they're, they're, uh, they're running on full cylinders, hopefully, uh, for them. So, yeah, I think they can hold on. I'm not, I mean, the only team... The Astros and the A's are probably the teams that, you know, would concern me the most. Um, I don't, I don't believe that Houston or Seattle would, would be able to catch the Yankees. I think they're maybe seven or eight games back, uh, as we speak right now. So, um, yeah, I think they maintain a spot 
I think they even maintain the, the top spot because I think I think it's just going to be a battle between Houston and Oakland back and forth for that division, and I think the Yankees are going to benefit from you know from the, those guys playing each other you know as well down the stretch where you know maybe they rob some wins from from each other as they you know wrap up their division. Chris, last question here, and then we'll let you go. This has been the uh, the golden question. It feels like over the last two weeks, I know it's fairly impossible to answer now with so many games left, but. Uh, gun to your head right now, who starts that wild card game? I mean, is it Seve? Is it still Seve? Will it always be Severino? Uh, do you maybe throw Jay Happ out there? What's your take on that? Yeah, I'm, um, if it's tomorrow, uh, I go with Happ. Um, and that's just purely because he's been the most consistent pitcher they've had, um, since he, you know, was traded here. Uh, that said, I mean, I can see Severino riding the ship and, you know, him being the odd-on guy to take the, take the ball um, when the wild card game starts, um, you know, in, in October. So I, I I would imagine that it's going to end up being Severino. Um, but, you know, if he's if he's just as inconsistent at the end of September as he is right now, then I, I would, it wouldn't shock me if it's, if it's Hap or even Tanaka. Um, but right now, I mean, Hap's a, Hap's a guy that I would uh, I, I feel comfortable giving the ball to. Well, Amazingly cr- enough, <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's, I agree. that's the guy. That's the guy. That's the guy you traded for for the back end of your rotation. Uh, I right? agree. So. Chris, we appreciate your time. Chris Corelli of SNY TV. Follow him on Twitter at Chris underscore Corelli. Chris, we appreciate it, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking soon. All right, great. Thanks a lot, guys. Always All right, Chris, time. take care, man. All right, we're back here on episode 66 of the NYY Sports Talk podcast. Uh, good interview with Chris. Always like touching base with him. I hadn't realized we hadn't talked to him all season long, yeah. but you know, he's a North Carolina guy now. Is he North or South? I think he moved to North Carolina. We'll get his address. We'll let everyone know. We're gonna just put it out go over down here. and knock on his door. Yeah, why not? I'm Maybe sure he's he close to Holly Hill. Holly Hill, different uh, state. Uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, what I wanted to do with this episode is just open up this can of worms and just go after the fans right now because I can't I can't do it anymore. I mean, I love Twitter. I love interacting with fans. It's, you know, it's one of the more rewarding things out there, but there are maybe it is the the vocal minority that we talk about all the time where the smallest group is the loudest group, but it's 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 too much now. Every time the Yankees lose, the world ends on Twitter. Here's one quick thing I'll say before you really get into what you need to get into. Last night I went back and forth with someone on Twitter. And you know what? I stepped back for a second and I tweeted back at him and I said, you know what? This isn't going anywhere. At the end of the day, we both want the same thing. And that's for a championship. And that's my piece I make now with it. Yeah, they're passionate and irrational, but we all want the same thing. So at least they're passionate. I, you know, there's plenty of Yankee fans out there that don't know what's going on at all. So at least I respect them in that sense, but it does, it's got to stop. It's so frustrating. This is not the National Football League where there's one game a week and you get to lament on it all week long. There's 162 games. Even the best team, even the, the, the 1998 Yankees, what did they lose? 45 games, 50 games? Yeah. That's still 50 times they lost. That's still, you know, if you think about it, that's still a lot of losses over the course of six months. Yes. 
So you lose games in baseball. You you can't overreact to every loss. I had a guy tell me today that the Yankees were quote ass because they've been playing crappy the last couple of months. They were eighteen and nine in June and they were fifteen and ten in July. That's not crappy. If you win five games, or if you're five games over 500 each month of the season, that's 96 wins. And they're still on pace to win 102. Yes. So now we're at a point where 96 wins is not, not good enough. enough. Not enough. And here's what I said to the guy I was arguing with last night, and I loved his response. It was literally exactly what I was expecting. I said, and, and Ryan and I touched on this last week during the show, I said, if Boone is that bad, and you think he's that awful and that all the talent is what helps them win and all the games they lost is on Boone. How do you – oh, and he – oh, and his other argument was Boone inherited all this, so it's easy. He could do it himself. said, so then how do you feel about A.J. Hinch, who's literally on the cusp of losing a division lead to the A's after inheriting uh, – not inheriting, but still having the World Series champions and better, bettering that team – his response was, well, they're dealing with a lot of injury right now. Uh, they they seem to be complacent, uh, blah, blah, blah. But I don't care about the Astros. I care about the Yankees. You just made my point. So the Yankees aren't dealing with injuries right now? And a team being complacent doesn't fall on the manager? This team is the second best team in baseball. The second best team. Not the second worst team. Not the middle of the pack, the second best team in baseball. People need to stop. It is crazy that everyone is making the 2018 season, which, by the way, hasn't even concluded yet, a loss. What if the Yankees win the World Series? Not not on Boone. It's a talent. Right? And here's what I'll say about inheriting teams and blah, blah, blah. How's that working for them down in Washington? Right. They're, they are struggling to be a 500 team in a worst league. In a worst league, they're struggling to be a 500 team. Let's talk you about- can't tell me they don't have as much talent as the Yankees. They sure as hell have a better starting rotation than the Yankees do. Let's talk about uh, across across the way in, in Queens. Mickey Callaway. I mean, granted, the Mets weren't going to be some powerhouse this year. But with that rotation, they were expected to win 85 games or so. I mean, that if if the Yankees were performing at that kind of level where they were going to win 85 games this year, that's fine. You can rip Boone all you want. This team's on pace to win 102. When's the last time the Yankees won 102 games? I mean, come on. If you you have to give Boone some of the credit if you're going to give him all the blame. And I'm not I'm not sitting here saying Boone's perfect. He frustrates me at times too and I question his decisions. But if you're complaining that we have a bad manager at this point, it's like whining over not getting the toy you want. And again, <clears throat> you question his decisions, but that you could add that to Christian's point that they play 162 games. There right. are going to be some decisions that are made that Any are manager, questionable. The best, the best. Some in work, baseball. some don't. Terry Francona, who I consider the best in baseball, I promise you, he makes decisions that fans question. And yeah, the Yankees have been playing up and down this month, 
you know, dealing with a lot of injuries. But they are 11 and 10 this month, which is not good, but it's not bad either considering everything they've dealt with. Doesn't he get some of the, the credit for not having his team fall right on its face that they're not in like a 7 and 14 stretch right nope. now? I believe they're 14 and 11 since Judge went down. Which is pretty unbelievable. And now, you know, you got Pedro Martinez running his mouth, which is feeding the the, the the worst. He's feeding the worst of Yankee Twitter right now, where, oh, the Yankees don't look like they have the energy to be a World Series champion. Uh, that's what teams look like when they lose three all-star level players. Uh, what was the what did the Astros look like when Springer, Correa, and Altuve won in the DL? Didn't they just blow a big division lead? It's not just that. They're playing 20, 20 games in how many days with double headers packed into it and all these rainouts with these double headers, injuries, so on and they better look a little tired. And what about what would happen to the Red Sox if Betts Benintendi and JD Martinez won in the DL and they missed you know a hundred combined games or whatever it is they would they look like this same team uh, who knows but probably no, no absolutely not bets missed i think i looked it up today bets missed about 20 games this year and that was earlier in the season they didn't lose bets with ben and and jd martinez the yankees lost judge Didi and sanchez all at the same time i'm sorry that's gonna change the way a team looks on the field yeah, absolutely Absolutely. I'm, another thing, I'm, t- I'm tired of people with this bullshit about, well, that's not how George Steinbrenner does things. I've said this a hundred times before. He's dead. dead. He is dead. Dead all day. I'm oh, sorry man. to put it in the in those terms, but the guy is dead. He doesn't run this team anymore. Stop living in the past. We're in 2018 right now. I'm, I, could, I couldn't agree more. And guess what? In all those teams... That George was alive. This when did George Steinbrenner take over the Yankees? Seventy five, seventy six. Okay, you want to know something, folks? Outside of the ninety eight team, this team is on pace to be better than every single team when George Steinbrenner was alive. So be quiet, enjoy it. It might not feel like the Yankees are dominating right now, but they're also not all there. Let's see what happens. Let this let this season ride out. Remember how shitty you felt during the summer last year when this team fell on its face for a while? And then how all of a sudden, magically, at the end of the year, through the playoffs, they were a completely different team? It could happen again. So just relax and be patient. It's it's too much, though. Uh, you know, they, they're coming. Oh, why didn't the Yankees get this guy? Why didn't the Yankees make a waiver claim? These people don't even understand what waiver claims are. The Yankees having the second best record in Major League Baseball, if it's a National League player, it has to pass through literally every other team except for the Red Sox to get to the Yankees. That's not going to happen. Right. And this is the last thing I'm going to say real quick. The Yankees are still rebuilding. People don't understand what that means. You know, people get triggered by that word, re- that word rebuilding. Oh, well, they got Stan. They're not rebuilding. Oh, they made it to... The game 70 LCS last year, they're not rebuilding. Yes, they are. Experience. Rebuilding doesn't mean tearing your team down and then watching it implode with 100 wins for five years before you get good like the Cubs did. The Yankees are rebuilding the Yankees way, which means that they're doing it while still trying to be good. None of these moves the Yankees have made in the last two years have ever impacted anything they were trying to do for 2019. Right. 
They made they made the trade for Kainley Robertson and Todd Frazier last year. That was not a trade for 2017. I mean, it was, but it was also a trade for 2018 right. and a trade for 2019 because they still have Robertson under control and Kainley. How many ex? How many other number of years did they have Kainley under control for? They didn't know Kainley was going to go back to being, uh, you know, Rick Vaughn again. But I again, agree. even this year. They got. They made three trades to improve the team, but these are all rentals that they went out and got. They never made any deals that impacted what their mandate was, was to get under $197 million so they could reset the luxury tax. And fans that are just like, oh, well, who cares? It's luxury tax. It's not your money. They get taxed at a 50% clip. If I took 50% out of your the money out of your pocket right now, you'd cry. You should be commending this team. For you staying would, under you that would, tax. If you had $100 in your pocket right now and I pulled $50 out of your pocket, you'd have a heart attack. Now, we're talking about hundreds of million dollars a year. Hundreds of million dollars. Uh, that the, <laughs> hundreds that, of millions of dollars a year. That the Yankees are just throwing out the window because right. they're paying luxury tax. To make you happy. Right. Should they have to pay that? No. Is there anything wrong with their, their mandate to get under 197? No, and guess they're what they're still... going to do? They're going to get under 197 and they're going to spend the fuck out of the money that they have next year. And they're still putting a solid team on the field. The second best team in baseball. Again, go be, go be a Met fan for a month. Watch what they do when they don't go over the luxury tax. Just be grateful that the Yankees have figured out a way to rebuild and still have a championship-level team because nobody else in Major League Baseball has ever figured that out. But right. somehow, Brian Cashman and the Yankees have figured that out. But boo them. But boo them, right? Boo them, boo Boone, boo everyone. They suck. Come on, people. Let's all get on the same page here. We all want the same thing in the end. We want the Yankees to win a World Series. But you don't have to, you know, cause a nuclear war every time they lose a game. Right. They're, they're going to lose 60 games this year. You're going to have a freaking stroke every time they lose one? I hope not. It, it's just looking at the bigger picture of things, which I think a lot of fans, they can't grasp. People don't isolate that. situations. They just don't. It's always one extreme or the other. you got to isolate certain things. Yeah, Boone was bad last night, in my opinion. Does that make him the worst manager in baseball? Absolutely not. Isolate situations. That's all. All right. Well, hopefully the Yankees can isolate at least three wins out of this uh, upcoming series here because they should definitely be able to take three out of four from the Baltimore Orioles who uh, are winning at, what, a 28% clip but still somehow managed to be 500 against the Yankees this year. I get that's where a lot of people's frustration has come from, that the Yankees should be – 11, 10 and 2 at the worst against this team, but they're not. But well, It is what it is. I mean, at this point, all that's in the past. You got to start now. The Orioles are 37 and 90 right now. They have 90 losses. Red Sox have 90 wins. Yeah. So think about how many times you say, Jesus Christ, the Red Sox won again. That's how Orioles fans feel when they lose. In reverse. Okay? So, I mean... The Yankees need to take three out of four. They do. Well, CeCe's coming off the DL, hopefully. I mean, he's listed as a probable starter for Friday's game. Uh, Jay Happ is pitching game one. Uh, it looks like Sonny Gray's taking the ball game two on Saturday. And then uh, who's listed? Severino's listed as the starter for Sunday. 
which for some reason ESPN has taken as yep. the Sunday night baseball game this week. Crazy. So we'll come on Sunday afternoon before the game like we always do before uh, Sunday night baseball. Why ESPN thinks people want to see a 90-loss team, I don't know, but whatever. I don't, whatever. Make, I don't make the schedule. And uh, just looking quickly ahead, after that, the Yankees are home for a six-game uh, homestand against the White Sox and the Detroit Tigers. And then we're in September already, fellas. All right. Season's gone by pretty quickly. Uh, my closing remarks are I just want the fans to enjoy this season more than they are. This is a really good Yankees team that is still being built into what should be a championship caliber team for the next five to ten years. And this is not to say that they can't win the World Series this year because the season is not over yet. Every time they lose, the fans think the season is over. It's not. There's still more games to play. So just put that in perspective. In any other year, hell, in any other division. There's a 13-game swing. And... The fans would be throwing this team a parade already for how good they are. Right. But because they're in a division with a, with a historically good team, they can't see the forest through the trees. They can't, they just can't do it. Well, there's something wrong with the Yankees because the Red Sox are this good. No, there's not. The Yankees are friggin' still really good. At some point, you just got to say, hey, you know what? 113 wins is the fourth highest total in the history of a game they've been playing for 140 years. If the Yankees suck, then every other team other than the Red Sox are miserable. And we should just hand the Red Sox the trophy already. But they still have games to play. They still got 35 games in the regular season to play. There's still going to be playoffs to play. So, I mean, just enjoy what you're seeing right now. I mean, yeah, it sucks that Didi's hurt and Judge is hurt and Sanchez is hurt. Seve's been up and down, but this team's still finding a way to win games. And you know what? My closing remark is, yeah, they've plateaued, okay? And I know that's frustrating, but I always say there's still 32 games, 33 games over 500, and everyone's response back to me is, yeah, well, they did that a long time ago, and now they've just been playing. You, It doesn't matter when you do it. It's the fact that you did it. They hit high it's water the fact marks that over... you are still reaching those high water marks, and you're still there. Their high water mark is 33, which they reached on Tuesday. So it's not like they've been trying to build back up to a high water mark, right? So that's the point of a 162 game season: is that every team, again, outside of the Red Sox thus far, are going to go through a lull. They're going to plateau. We're getting tweets last night that this team quit on Aaron Boone. No, they, they just. They just came off a four-game winning streak. How are you? How how did they quit? Right. I just take a step back and look at the bigger picture. If you're going to be mad at a hundred and win team, regardless of who's in front of them or who's behind them, you're never going to be satisfied. And you should probably, you know, not watch baseball. Not Let's watch leave baseball it at that. anymore. All right. So, uh, <clears throat> that guy, right? You were kind of quiet today. Um, soaking I it just, in. Yeah, no, I just wanted to listen today. Yeah. Comeback player of the year on the bump tonight. Who's that? Cahill. Trevor Cahill. <laughs> K's on the hill for Cahill? 5-2 and two at a 3.12. Wow. Man, I'll tell you. That's, come on, that's pretty crazy. All right, I'm done. We talking. touched on it briefly Cahill. in a, in a group Prez. chat, but I think Bob Melvin's got to get some love for yeah. Cahill manager of the year. He does. Absolutely. Uh, so check out the description to this pod, you know, social media accounts, blah, blah, blah. Go to nyysportstalk.com, buy some stuff here, you know, it'd be nice. 
we're all uh, spent after the summer, so we need to replenish funds. So yeah. buy some stuff. Stack guy, Rye, you got anything you want to say in closing? Okay, hell. <laughs> and the Yanks. And the Yanks. Cahill and the Yanks. You know, just what so- are you going to do if they faced Cahill in the wild card Oh, game? my God. I'm not even going to think about that right now. Dude. All right, so we'll talk to you again Sunday afternoon. Uh, and uh, that's it, unless Chris wants to add anything else. I'm good. Is that guy right? You good? I'm good. All right, Chris. I kind of like you. Say goodbye. <laughs>